Money FM 89.3, best of weekends. Chong Ningchen is the senior executive for research at AWARE, the women's rights group. And she is joining us now to talk about where AWARE sees the, the status of women right now in Singapore. Ningchen, welcome. Hi, thank you. Thanks for having me today. Great to have you with us. And AWARE does so much research on so many different topics. And generally, when you look across the state of where women are across, let's just take a broad look at all the issues, where does that leave women in Singapore right now? Are you feeling kind of hopeful about where things stand now and where they're going? Yes, I would like to say that I am hopeful because most of the work that we do here is advocacy. And advocacy is based on the belief that things will get better. So that's what we're really all about. I would say that clearly we've come a long way from decades ago, but of course there are also significant ways to continue moving forward uh, before we can achieve full gender parity. Yeah, and on that point, the, the gender wage gap is something that is frequently mentioned both across Asia and, and even within Singapore. Where do we stand on that particular issue of wages in Singapore between men and women? Right. So there are actually two figures or rather two ways to look at a gender wage gap. There is the unadjusted figure and the adjusted figure. So maybe I will just talk quickly about the adjusted figure first. The adjusted figure is 6%. So adjusted figure is calculated after you have controlled for all controllable factors such as age, experience, the types of work that people are doing. So what this really shows is that after controlling for all these factors, there's still a 6% difference in the wages that women and men are working for similar work that they are performing. And one of the reasons that account for this uh, persisting gap is clearly some kind of gender bias. You know, to put it simply, there are employers out there who would still maybe unconsciously or consciously give different wages to men and women, with women receiving slightly lower wages. The other figure that I think is of more concern to us as well is the unadjusted figure. So that is a figure that's actually remained pretty much unchanged over the decade. So it stands at around 16.5% in 2018, and it's not really changed. So the unadjusted figure really reflects the problem um, of men being overrepresented in higher paying positions and sectors, uh, and women being overrepresented in lower-paying positions. And one significant factor that accounts for this persistent inequality is the unequal distribution in unpaid caregiving and house, uh, household responsibilities. Mm. So, you know, women still continue to shoulder the bulk of this work globally and also in Singapore. And this really limits their career development and wage progression. So this is one issue that we have not really been able to solve completely yet. Yeah, I get that part. That Well, two things you mentioned there. The overrepresentation, I understand completely. Too many men in key positions, therefore they're going to earn more money. The second point you made, caregiving. We still live in a very patriarchal society, so therefore mm. the women tend to be the ones who stay at home. Therefore, they miss the opportunities for job promotions and so on and so on, so they get okay. left behind. There's this one issue I wanted to bring back. I'm just curious. This idea that men get paid more for the same job because, mm. you know, I've worked primarily in the media and in education in Singapore over the last 25 years. The salaries in those positions are fixed, you know, so mm. where does the disparity come into it? Is it more that once they get into the job, the men are more likely to be promoted faster than the women and therefore earn more money? Because in my industries, the salaries are the same. It's, it's the job you do, not the gender you are. Do you see what mm-hmm. I mean? 
So I guess perhaps things like performance bonus would come into play as well, right? And mm. that's where I think there's more room for perhaps unconscious bias to slip in in the way that we assess the performance of men and women. And, you know, through a lot of anecdotal and also empirical evidence, we know that women are still unfairly judged, for example, based on their caregiving goals. If, let's say, a female worker is also a mother, they might be put on what is called mommy track. So they don't receive promotions as fast as their male counterparts because their employers might think that they may not be able to commit fully to their job. So that's that's kind of one uh, one 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 area where the bias might come in. We're speaking with Chong Nen Cheng, the senior executive for research for Aware, and there's so many issues uh, relating to women that that need to be looked at. Uh, you have everything from you know access to housing, single with for single moms, single parents, care for children, the rights of migrants and migrant spouses, mm-hmm. violence against women. What are the priorities for Aware, and and where you start, and how you advocate for women? Because there are just so many areas across society that seem to be you know, needing attention, if I can put it mm-hmm. that way. So, well, AWARE has several teams that work on, I guess, different issues as well. So um, we have the Sexual Assault Care Centre, um, and we are the only um, organisation in Singapore that is offering specialised services to survivors. So a big part of what they do clearly is about combating and preventing sexual violence as well as providing services to survivors. By the same time, if we're talking about research priorities, for the year at least, we are focusing a lot on technology-facilitated sexual violence, you know, just given the sheer uh, increase in the kinds of cases that we've been seeing recently, and also working on advocating for the rights of migrant spouses. You know, we want to pay attention to, even amongst women, we understand that people are discriminated in different ways um, according to lines of nationality, disabilities, race, etc. So we do pay special attention to marginalized women amongst women. Yeah. Uh, speaking with Chong Ning Chen of AWARE. And uh, Ning Chen, talk to us about the violence against women and, and the increase uh, that, I, that I've read from your research that we have seen uh, during the uh, lockdown period, COVID-19, etc. What have you found with that? Which, just to add briefly, is also a global issue. There has been an increase of violence against women in all countries where there have been degrees of lockdown. That's right. So um, we run a women's helpline that is primarily for women in distress. And many women who call us are experiencing violence, um, usually domestic violence. So in the circuit breaker period from about March to May, we've seen a huge increase in calls as compared to the same period from last year. So from March, April, May 2019 compared to March, April, May 2020, we've seen, you know, on average about 100% increase in calls. And some reasons that account for this would be the fact that women have to stay in the same place as their perpetrators 24-7. They used to be able to go out to work, to go to school, and there may be some channels for refuge, but those are completely cut out during the circuit breaker period. And also, you know, there's a lot of research that's shown how in times of economic crisis, rates of violence do increase because of the kinds of stress that people are under. And so on that, that's what we've been observing. And just briefly on that point to follow up, people may be listening, where should they go or contact or email if this issue is apparent in their own household? Yes, yeah, so um, they could call our women's helpline and the number is 1-800-777-5555. We run the line from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Mondays to Fridays. If they want to, they could also, or rather, they could contact the Sexual Assault Care Centre and the number is 6 Okay, great. Now, moving forward slightly, one of the things I've noticed in the last maybe two or three years, which I think is very, very positive, 
is the positive way that social media, digital platforms can be used in such areas. Let's take, for example, the issue of sexual harassment. There's been several prominent cases at various universities and academic institutions across Singapore where you might argue maybe 10 or 15 years ago they Mm -hmm. may have got swept under the carpet. But what I found very pleasing is how this issue has come to the fore in the last 18 months with people speaking publicly on social media platforms and so on. Is that something you're finding? And are more younger women more willing to speak up in issues of sexual harassment? Yes, I think we've seen that that phenomenon as well. I mean, Monica B, for example, when she came out on social media to talk about her case, I think that really inspired a lot of other survivors to speak out as well. And also, it could be evidence in the fact that we started to receive more calls to our helpline and to our sexual assault care centre. So there's definitely some correlation there. When there are more public cases, more people feel safe enough or confident enough to start seeking help. So I think what's important to talk about here is the community's role in providing an environment that makes women feel safe enough to speak up about what has happened to them. And I think that we, we, we've definitely seen encouraging signs of that. And it's something that we are actively working on creating as well. So we've been running a sexual assault first responder training. And the whole objective of this is to really recognize people's roles in supporting survivors. Because often when survivors are disclosing the incident, they would first reach out to their friends, their family. And how we respond as friends and family does matter to them a lot in whether they, for example, want to make a report afterwards or whether they want to seek professional help afterwards. Mm. Speaking with Chong Ning Chen of AWARE, and let's let's go forward. And you mentioned the community's role in helping women get through a lot of these issues. And and women certainly have made great strides in Singapore over the past 55 years when we look at uh, professional women and and breaking a lot of those uh, glass ceilings. Admittedly, more needs to be done. But as you look forward, you know, from the Mm -hmm. perspective of aware and, and being a young professional woman yourself, what needs to happen in Singapore as we look forward to the next 55 years? What, what should the goals be for the community in Singapore to make it a more equal place and a safer place for, for women in Singapore? Yeah, well, we have aware as a very, very long policy wish list on this. Mm. Um, and top of the list, I guess, would be um, enacting a comprehensive anti-discrimination legislation, uh, something that we are currently missing. And we think that it's really important to have legislation to deal with discrimination and to provide recourse to victims. But also, apart from relying on the law, I think just going back to, uh, you know, the role of community, I think that gender education is really important. You know, I really want to imagine a future where entire generations of people and young people are brought up with an understanding of what gender inequality is, of what equality could look like, um, you know, what gender roles are and why it's important to know that these roles are not biologically determined, but nor should they be deterministic of one's futures and aspirations. So that's kind of what I, I really hope to see. And I think that's what is missing in public education. And finally, from me, what is, if you had to, I know you said there's a wish list and we recommend everyone <laughs> to go along to the AWARE website and have a read. What is the most pressing issue, do you think, for AWARE moving forward? I think we would still be uh, focusing a lot on the issue of caregiving, uh, mostly to do with the fact that we are an age, rapidly aging population. And, uh, you know, if we don't solve the inequality in care burden, this problem will, will just persist. So we are dedicating a lot of resources and time to still look at this issue. We've been, you know, interviewing mothers uh, on their experiences with childcare, interviewing caregivers of older persons. And I think it, it's, time, it's time to really put caregiving on the agenda. 
So, sorry to follow up. So are you suggesting, mm-hmm. therefore, that less reliance on foreign domestic helpers and more local-based centres for caregiving? What, what, what are the sort of solutions you're looking at moving forward? Right. So when we talk about redistribution, certainly um, we're talking about redistribution uh, within the home, so between family members and between right. genders, but more importantly as well between the community, the state and families. So, you know, we really need to relook the model of having care being done entirely at home and need to look at how we can make formal care services more accessible to people. Thank you so much for being with us today on this National Day show. Chong Ning Chen, the Senior Executive for Research for AWARE. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.